morning, this is Sister Lisa coming to you from the ill, the Edmund Elder Library. And this Friday morning, my windows are all fogged up because of condensation. And it's hard to see outside, but I walked outside to take out a bag of garbage, and it is beautiful. A beautiful, beautiful morning. <laughs> Melissa and I, um, we usually, on Friday mornings, get up and try to make it to the farmer's market here in town. It opens at 7, and then get back home in time for childcare at 7.30. But this morning, she actually was up and ready before I was, and so I just sent her to the grocery store to get bread and milk and eggs and something. Oh, water. Yeah, I haven't got my Kangen, Kangen, whatever. I haven't got my water machine fixed yet, and so we've been drinking out of bottled water and um, to make our coffee and my coffee and, and just drink water. Uh, but anyway, I sent her to the store. She's like, don't you want to go? I said, I probably do, but when we go to the farmer's market on Friday, by Sunday, by the time we try to make special meals, some of the food's already gone bad. Have you, last week, we bought eggplant to make eggplant parmesan, and by Sunday morning, there's already spots we had to cut off. Probably, probably had to throw away about half of the eggplant. And um, it's like, we'll just get up early tomorrow and go to the one in Jackson, maybe. It's just hard to know. But anyway, that's how my morning started. I <laughs> sent a half-asleep girl to the grocery store. Bless her heart. But anyway, we have to do what we can do before the childcare gets here. And we've got stuff. I said, when you get back, we can make brownies and cookies and whatever we want to make. Because um, we got... We got all kinds of stuff that we can make if we have milk and eggs. Do you know? If you have milk and eggs, you can make all kinds of stuff. And Jesus, Jesus is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Give us this day our daily bread. When God Doesn't Make Sense by Dr. James Dobson. We're on, well actually we stopped on page 179, but then there's uh, a blank page, and then there's a title page, chapter 9, The Wages of Sin, another blank page, and then 181. <clears throat> we have been discussing those occasions when hardship and difficulty come sweeping into our lives for no apparent reason. Accidents, death, sickness, earthquakes, fires, violence, etc. naturally lead the survivors to ask, what did we do to deserve this? Their inability to link these inexplicable acts of God with their own misbehavior often creates a sense of betrayal and victimization. It just doesn't seem fair. There is another source of pain and suffering in our lives, however, that must be considered. It was described by Dr. Carl Menninger in his book, Whatever Became of Sin. He wrote about the almost forgotten concept of disobedience to God and how it undermines our well-being. Indeed, much of the heartache for which God is often blamed results from old-fashioned sin. I'm referring not to the curse of Adam's sin, but to specific sinful behavior that wrecks havoc in the human family. Scripture makes it clear that there is a direct link between disobedience to God and the consequence of death. James describes the connection this way, Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. James 1, 14 and 15 All sin bears that deadly characteristic. 
It's not that God sits in his heaven and determines to abuse those who make mistakes, but he forbade certain behavior because he knew it would ultimately destroy its victims. It is not God who leads to death, but sin, and sin becomes a cancer that consumes those who embrace it. The Apostle Paul used these words to describe the malignant nature of sin in his own life and the wonderful remedy available to the believer. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, it is done through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 7, 24-25 What is the body of death to which Paul referred? This term described a horrible method of execution used by the Romans in those days. A cadaver would be attached to a condemned person in such a way that he could not extradite himself from it. Then the rotting flesh of the carcass would begin to pollute the body of the prisoner. Gross. This is totally gross. Terrible diseases and infections would lead to a slow and painful death. This, said Paul, is that what sin does to an unregenerate person. It attaches itself to its victim and pollutes everything it touches. Without the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, all of us are hopelessly condemned by this plague of wickedness. The link between sin and death applies not only to individuals, but to nations as well. During the 18th century, for example, American plantation owners and businessmen embraced slavery as a source of cheap and convenient labor. Surely they knew it was an evil proposition right from the beginning. Slave traders abducted peaceful African villages and hauled them off in chains. They were packed so tightly on filthy, disease-infested ships that up to 50% died in rape. Every one of those deaths constituted a murder, yet there was a willing market in America for the survivors. They were bought and sold like animals without regard to family integrity. Children were taken from parents and husbands were separated from wives. Some were beaten, some were raped, and some were worked to death. The entire system was reprehensible, yet it was embraced by a society that professed to be a God-fearing society. The seeds of destruction were planted. When sin is full grown, said James, it brings forth death. Alas, the terrible sin of slavery reached its full maturity in 1860 when it contributed to a shameful and devastating civil war. An entire nation was soon bathed in its own blood. More Americans were killed in that struggle than all of our other conflicts combined, including the Revolution, World Wars I and II, Korea, Vietnam, and every skirmish in between. Indeed, 600,000 husbands, fathers, and sons paid the supreme price for the folly of a nation's greed and exploitation. Now here we go again. Nearly 30 million unborn babies have been killed since the Supreme Court issued its despicable Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. That number represents more than 10% of the United States population, and it's growing by 4,110 per day. Such bloodshed and butchery, now occurring worldwide, is unprecedented in human history. Yet we've only seen the beginning. Don't tell me this crime against humanity will go unpunished. Those, those voiceless little people cry out to the Almighty from the incinerators and the garbage heaps where they have been discarded. Someday this unborn holocaust will rain death and destruction upon our nation. Just wait, you'll see. It is the nature of the universe. Sin inevitably devastates a people who embrace it. You know, this is so true. This is page 184. Um, It is so true. Uh, Recently, they have overturned Roe versus Wade, or they're letting each state um, decide. And there's some things going on that looks positive in some light, but people that don't know the whole story, they're just, I mean, (laughs) 
it goes both ways. It's like, um, it's just, it's just horrible that we even have that uh, happening in our country. But sin, sin, you know, if you let sin go in your life, um, you know, sometimes you, you can't not see what you see. Sometimes you're bored, things, things flash before your eyes on maybe the internet or on, um, television or, um, a billboard or a newspaper or in a magazine or um, across your cell phone. Uh, things come pop up, words, images, different things, and you can't unsee them, but you don't need to dwell on them. You don't need to dwell on them um, because uh, those are like enticements or temptations or um, put thoughts in your head or images in your head. Uh, but that's when we take it to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, um, uh, forgive us for saying that, you know, even when it's not our fault, we don't want to dwell on things of that nature. Or we don't want to, if, if you have a um, low self-esteem or something like that, you say, oh, I, I'm nothing, I can't do anything. Or, or you sit in self-depression, um, a spirit of depression comes upon you and you dwell on that. No, um, that's when it becomes sin. You know, depression can lead to um, suicide. Um, uh, things that uh, sorrow can lead to that um, grief you can be overcome with it and I know when my husband first died you know I'm like I didn't want to live I thought I don't want to live one day without my husband but in time it's not that it's easier to go without him but in time I realize that I'm here to finish out our ministry I've got to do things but it's not like um, sometimes I'm like man it's already been 11 months and I haven't done anything well yes day by day I have um, talked on my podcast about him in our life. I've talked about our devotional and our, on my devotionals, different things. But then today in my um, um, Sarah Young, Jesus Calling book, it said, uh, it was talking about, don't try to rush things. You know, um, sit quietly in God's presence. And uh, the, the royalty, we are his children and things will happen. And if I'm supposed to write this book about my husband, I think I'm supposed to be writing it will in time. It doesn't have to. It's not it's like he's already been gone almost a year. I'm thinking that people's going to forget him and um, it won't be important to him. But no, there's a lot of people that's never met my husband. I think that will be blessed by the book about his life story and uh, whatever God's wanting me to share. I might help it get into the hands of the person that it's intended to be for. And um, it will happen when it happens. And I'm thinking about naming our company. Before my husband died, I didn't know he was going to die. Um, I've been talking about this shed, this building that we got him. It's called. The, it looks like a bridge, and I call it the bridge because it's a lofted barn that's got um, a garage door on both ends. And when it's opened up, it's um, I think it's 12 by 30. I I can't remember. It's 32. Anyway, it's, it's I know it's only 12 wide. Um, I should have got the 14 wide, but anyway. And 12 wide, and I think it might be 32 or 34. I, I'd have to look it up how long it is. But anyway, it looks it looks like a bridge. And I, when we was getting it built, we could have whatever color. Since we had a custom built, um, we could have whatever color we wanted. And I said, hey, white to match our house. And <laughs> I was like, no, red like a barn. So we got a red. It's red, so it looks like a barn. It's a lofted barn is what they call it. But it looks like a bridge as well. But I talked to him. I said, hey, we should um, um, do some Christian counseling or 
uh, something. I said we should call it the bridge. And I said we should call it traversity, like a, a traverse rod, uh, like a, you know, traverse rod. It um, traverses across adversity. And um, I was talking about that, but I'm like, you know, that's kind of an unusual name. I don't know. I said, we can just call it the bridge. And uh, I made him this little uh, to-do list. <laughs> I, gave, I gave him this to-do list. I said, today's schedule, four appointments slash conference calls, one Bible study, one baptism, two book signings. Um, want to get a, a, a horse trough, like for a baptismal tank. But I don't, we never did do that. But I talked about that's what I was talking about there. But anyway, um, I said, this is... This is your schedule, and we put that up by his desk, you know, when he was, he'd look at it, you know. That was one of our goals, that maybe someday he could do something like that. I didn't know that it might be me doing the book signings, you know, my, his books, get his um, poems, his poems. I think he might have wrote a couple poems, but he mostly wrote um, song, lyrics, and sermons, and uh, get those published for him. But anyway... Back to the bridge, the thing. I said, call it the bridge. But then lately I've been thinking, well, maybe we should call it, maybe maybe I should call it the M&L Bridge Publishing House. Because um, we had the M&L Trash Service, of course, when he died. Um, I turned it over to my daughter and she sold it to somebody else. Because there's no way that she could have done it. Uh, but anyway, M&L, Mark put M&L in all of our girls' names. Well, Marisa... She don't have the L, but she got Mark, M-A-R-I-S-A, Felisa, and um, she got my middle name, Anne, and then, but Melissa, she got the M, and she got the L, and Melissa, and Melanie, got the M, and the L, and Melanie, and um, I said, when he got the, when he started the lawn service, I said, honey, you didn't even help me pick out that name, it's Magnificent Lawn Care, and he says, got the M and L in there, didn't I? (laughs) Magnificent Lawn. But anyway, so I'm thinking about calling it that. It's a long name, I know. But Publishing House, um, you know, the Pentecostal Publishing House is our headquarters. as our um, United Pentecostal Church International is what they call it. And I don't know, that name just stuck out to me, a publishing house. I don't know, instead of um, the Bridge Publishing Company, um, the Bridge Publications... I don't know, I thought of different names, but anyway, whatever name it comes up to with, it's mostly going to be the step, see, I write poems, songs, puppet scripts, devotionals, um, podcast, I write all this stuff, different things, and so um, I need to get it put in book form, and I don't know if I'm going to do it through Amazon, uh, Kindle Publishing, or if I'm going to go out and buy me a um well, I've got computers. I've got computers and printers already. And I'm not sure how we put it together in a book. Um, we got the, I can buy one of those kind of spiral things. You could buy this um, thing that uh, you have to then thread all those spirals through the books. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm planning on getting our stuff published some way. God willing. <laughs> I keep writing every day. I write every day, and so I, I don't get anything, I don't have any deadlines set. But in time, if it's God's will, it will. And if not, I've got the podcast. I've got the devotionals. I've got um, some things are being shared on a day-to-day basis. So it's not like it's just all locked up somewhere. 
that when God unfolds the rose, he always gets it right. And it's all to the glory of God. So today as you go about pointing others to the cross, remember your royalty. You belong to God. You're his child. And when, when God doesn't make sense, when life doesn't make sense, he understands. He knows all things. And we don't know when our loved ones die or like when my husband died, I, I think too young. But he lived a lot in that lifetime. He lived a, he, he, there's a lot crammed into that um, short amount of years. He was a youth leader. He was uh, a preacher. He was a, a business owner of several different businesses. He um, was diligent, a uh, worker. He had um, almost 25 years in the um, correctional, um, as a correctional officer, um, um, sergeant, different deputy, different positions in the jail systems. In Hutchison, Kansas, and then also here in Chester County, and also Madison County Sheriff's Departments. Um, so he's he had a lot of different things. Plus, a lot of people didn't know he was a singer. He was he could sing. Got lots of his songs on YouTube, um, on our on our channel, and he also uh, could play the trumpet and harmonica. Dabbled around a little bit on the drums. Um, actually, I think he could play a little bit of the piano just uh, he didn't on a regular basis his main thing was the trumpet and the second main thing was the harmonicas but he was uh, very gifted and talented a lot of things and it's going to come out in his book I'll write about some of that in his book uh, whatever the Lord wants me to write about Uh, he did go on tour with the uh, ABI when he was uh, Apostolic Bible Institute he went on tour uh, with his trumpet and we played in camp meetings and revivals. <laughs> I played the accordion, he played the trumpet. So when we went camp, we just we went up to the platform or the stage or whatever. We just, it just, um, we when we grew up, you could do that. Nowadays, you probably can't do that. Nowadays, you probably have to um, be just specified. <laughs> you have to be better. <laughs> we just learned as we went. We just did our best. Um, but anyway, that's just a little bit about us. But sin can creep in our sin, sin can creep in and sickness oh that's where I was going with that with my husband he was young but um, he had knee problems and a lot of that could come from being overweight and uh, lifting heavy bags of trash over a period of years and years day in and out but uh, the sin I guess of that would be um, maybe not take care of our bodies as much as we not get proper rest he had trouble breathing he had um, uh, a CPAC um, he had um he went to the doctor all the time getting shots in his knees to just try to help him cope with the pain. Um, he had gout, just different things. Um, some of it, you know, just, and I'm not saying that's sin. I'm, I'm just saying that sometimes some of the choices that we make might lead up to that, the poor health. That could have brought him a cardiac arrest. Um, we don't know. We don't know. He had four things listed on his, um, uh, on his obituary, on his um, death certificate. One was obesity, one was a heart, one, and he died of cardiac arrest. No, I guess that was the first one, was cardiac arrest. And then he had uh, obesity and I think sleep apnea. I, I have to look at it again, but there was four things listed, and COVID was not one of them that they listed. It was not, because um, we was even wondering if perhaps he might have had that, and we, but we'll never know. He never we got tested for that. So anyway, we don't know. But we also know that what the devil means for evil, 
God means for good. That morning that my husband died, he was singing on his bed. I heard him in the early hours singing and praising God. And he had all day. I know that he just had a time spent with the Lord. And um, I know without a shadow of a doubt, he's with the Lord. I know without a shadow of a doubt that he was. And so whatever, any other things, any obstacles, any questions, doubts in our minds, whatever, whatever, we know that all things do work together for the good and that my husband went so I can finish his story because otherwise we never have his story because we all just keep on going there was no end in sight of him ever you know he was 59 so he had what 72 for a man to retire I'm not sure but anyway when God doesn't make sense we'll understand it better by and by we can speculate all day and never hit on the right thing. But God knows. I love you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.